Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's an off day for the Hornets, but never an off day here on the HHC. We've got another special one-on-one interview. Today we're going from the roster to the coaching staff staff, one of the newest members of it, Hornets assistant Mike Wells, who's been a longtime assistant in the NBA. He's worked with several Hall of Fame players. He's going to talk to us about what enticed him about the current Hornets roster, what he wanted to seek out and take over as part of his next stop in his NBA coaching career. He'll talk to us about how he got started and what he sees as the hopefully bright future here for this current edition of the Charlotte Hornets. Without further ado, let's welcome for the first time Hornets assistant coach Mike Wells here to the Hornets Hivecast. Coach, thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you for having me. One of the newer additions to the coaching staff. Tell me a little bit about your daily routine here as an assistant coach for the Hornets. Yeah, uh, well, I guess uh, my focus is more on the offensive end of the uh, of the floor. So get in here early. You know, you watch film on the upcoming opponent's uh, defensive game plan. You see what they've done in their last four or five games and what they do with different personnel matchups. And then, you know, try to help us uh, get in the right position to have an advantage uh, on the offensive end and take advantage of the way they're playing situations. You've got about 30 years of coaching experience, most of it in the NBA, but some in college as well. It feels like the perception for a lot of lay people out there is that in college, the student athletes have so many other responsibilities that you know maybe it's it's harder to put an imprint on them whereas in the NBA it's it's their job it can be 24/7 theory but with so many games honestly feels like you probably get more practice time with guys when you're coaching in the college ranks than in the pros so how do you develop skills and put it together game plans and make all of this come together when it's such a busy schedule yeah uh, you're exactly right literally i think in college you have 30 games at 100 practices and we're the exact opposite here in the NBA right we play uh, hopefully 100 games if you get into the playoffs and you make a run and then, you know, you have about 30 days of practice. So finding those opportunities to teach your team and develop the individual or develop the group or, you know, a combination of players. I think those are all different types of teaching situations. I think most coaches on different levels are teachers, right? And us finding ways to move the group in a development type way ahead, like 1% a day to try to get your group better each day. Because you can't do it physically on the floor in the NBA where you get out there and you run up and down and you play defense. So whether that's watching film, whether that's walking through, whether that's guards and bigs doing a film session together or a walkthrough, you just got to get really creative with your teaching methods. And, you know, that's kind of the uh, ultimate challenge with these groups, whether you have a younger team and or a more veteran playoff team is finding and uh, the ways to reach them and to move that needle. You've worked with some great players in your career, including some Hall of Famers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Akeem Olajuwon, Charles Barkley, Kobe Bryant, some of the teams you've been a part of, they've been major pieces of and championship runs. Tell me what separates players like that, the Hall of Famers, the elite of the elite, from the average even NBA player. Yeah, uh, I've been extremely uh, fortunate in my career, whether it was the Houston Rocket days with those championships or the Lakers or the Spurs when we were really in the middle of uh, a great run there. But I always think great players, you know, their drive, their ability to 
take what they see maybe in a film session or talking to a coach one-on-one and then to immediately apply it to the game. I think probably in the uh, United States and around the world, you can find guys athletically that belong on an NBA court. And it's going to be a lot of those little subtleties that defines you know, the good players and great players. And a lot of times that's their intelligence or ability to process things and learn and then to apply it to their game. Um, to handle off-court distractions is another great piece, you know, and just be able to find when you come to the gym, when you come to the game, being totally undistracted. And once you cross the line and you're in the middle of the game, then we're totally dialed in on what the job is at hand. In terms of some of the the physical traits, it's a a pretty young group here with Charlotte, but there seems to be just a ton of upside on some of these guys. The rookie Brandon Miller is off to a great start. Mark Williams has shown a lot of promise here in two, not even two seasons, kind of almost one barely right now in terms of his time in the NBA. And then, of course, LaMelo Ball, who's already been an all-star but still a very young player. In terms of talents or traits, are there any comparisons you've seen from them to other all-stars you've coached? Yeah, I'll answer that two different ways, but it's one of the things that really excited me about this job. My last eight years in Utah with Quinn Snyder, you know, we had a young group when we started that run there, uh, which would be 10 years ago now. And you have here in Charlotte, the foundational pieces like that, where you have young athletic wings, multiple ball handlers for different pick and roll type situations and young bigs and Mark and Nick, PJ, Miles, that can do different things. So that is just a really exciting type of mixture and a, and a lot of nice young players to move forward with because they give you so many different options. And I probably frame that more on the offensive end. But as they come along, the defensive end, I know everybody wants to talk about the defensive end, but they, they will establish themselves. They will get more understanding. They will get more physicality and be able to put their imprint on the game that way. But, uh, you know, that those type situations for... The Hornets, and as we grow and as you move those young guys forward and and putting them in different type situations is the key to their whole development as young guys. And, uh, you know, we always want to see the ultimate thing on the court, which is a win. But they are making strides every day on the court uh, in in a lot of different areas. Hornets assistant coach Mike Wells, our guest here today on the Hornets Hivecast. Coach, almost 30 years now in the NBA. Some coaches come in off the court as former players, playing the game at different levels. You basically came out of college to be a coach. Tell me how you got here as someone who was not a a prominent player on a major college team. What got you involved in coaching and what led you down this path? Yeah, well, I played at an NAI school in Ohio um, and totally got lucky. To be honest with everybody, I went to grad school and got an internship with the Houston Rockets right right between the two championships in the mid-90s. I was the first ever intern in the history of that organization, which there just weren't interns. There weren't big staffs. Everything's completely different 30 years ago. You know, it was a head coach and three assistants. And right at that time was right when the video department started to take off on the on the coaching side. And you were still doing things VHS and deck to deck. But that started a whole realm of us young guys Eric Spolster started as a video guy, the Mike Budenholzers, the Mike Browns. You know, we all kind of came in at the same time, Jim Boylan. And that kind of started my path of being with the Houston Rockets. I went from an intern to 
an assistant coach in five years. I spent 10 years with the Rockets and, and um, you know, had just a, an unbelievable experience there. But you kind of got to get your foot in the door and you got to get lucky with the situation. You work really hard and, you know, be with the right coaching staff and have some success. And, uh, you know, I kind of got lucky even beyond that to turn a situation with Houston. I got to work with USA Basketball on an Olympic team situation. With those situations, I got to meet Larry Brown and Greg Popovich, which in turn led to me being able to get a job with the Spurs because I had some working knowledge and, and Coach Pop knew who I was from a scouting um, and an analytics type standpoint at that at that time. And then, you know, when I'm in San Antonio, we start an MB, uh, well, G League team with Quinn Snyder as our head coach. And you have the chance to work with Mike Budenholzer and Quinn and coach summer league teams with those guys. And then that, you know, down the road, that leads to a job with the uh, Utah Jazz when Quinn Snyder was hired there. And, you know, you just sort of, you know, try to keep networking, try to keep growing as a coach, um, all those type of situations that you can put yourself into and keep networking and growing and getting better and meeting people. And, uh, you know, those are the situations that help you uh, stay around long term as an assistant. And I've always tried to pride myself on being the best assistant that nobody knows. <laughs> try to stay behind the scenes and just, you know, do your work and do your job and you know, try to help players get better and try to make sure the head coach is always prepared. And if he asks me for something or I need to give a suggestion in the moment of the game, making sure that I'm two steps ahead so I can help the head coach be organized and prepared. I think for all of us who are, who are non-players, it's somewhat serendipitous that, that we end up here and there's some luck. But obviously to stay, you have to have some real skill. When you were starting, though, when you were looking at your career, hopefully out, coming out of college, was this the plan? You wanted to be an NBA coach at some level? And obviously, again, you're lucky enough to, to land with the Rockets and yeah. get on all of these different trajectories. But was that the plan coming out of school? Well, I grew up in a town in the middle of Ohio that had 15,000 people. Uh, I don't think there's much around there except cornfields. So I think when you're, you're a product of your environment, you know, so really I was thinking – you know, if I coached at the high school or if I coached, I knew I wanted to kind of coach. I kind of had that feeling. But, hey, it could have been working at the local YMCA running youth programs. I mean, I I didn't quite know. But my college coach was like, hey, I think you've got a feel for this. How about you go to grad school and come back and help me as an assistant? And he was really the first person that suggested his name, Scott Fleming. He actually now runs the NBA Basketball Academy in India. Um, has been over there and has coached the Indian national team. But he's the first guy at Mount Vernon Nazarene College that uh, said, hey, why don't you try to do this? And when I was in grad school, I met the PR director at the time. Her name was Sabrina Brewster. She was there with the Bulls for a long time in Chicago. And I asked her how she got her start. And she was like, I, I, I just wrote letters for internships. And at that time, 30 years ago, you actually physically wrote a letter and, and mailed it out. And uh, I did that. I mailed them on a Thursday and the Rockets called me on a Monday, uh, which was a complete fluke. They had a new brand new owner and Leslie Alexander. And I didn't really know anything about the Rockets, but you know, those things go on. But I think at the time, you know, it was such a small town. If I could have went from Mount Vernon, Ohio to a division one college, that would have been my goal. And that would have been a really, really unique path for me. And then, you know, it's probably what drove me after 17 years in the NBA going back to Division One basketball was always because that was sort of a scratch, an itch that I had and I need to scratch. I needed to get to Division One. I. I wasn't a Division One college basketball player and I just wanted to experience it. So I did that <laughs> for a while and uh, three seasons and uh, 
you know, and then Quinn called with the opportunity to come back to the NBA, which I had to jump at just because this is much more of a comfortable environment for me. I really enjoyed the college deal. But, you know, you just sort of try to find those situations, like I said, and I don't know what the next step is for my career, but uh, I've absolutely loved coaching in the NBA. It's been six organizations that are amazing, several Hall of Fame coaches, whether it's Rudy T or Greg Popovich or Quinn, who I believe is a Hall of Fame coach in every way, shape, and form, and uh, and now with Steve Clifford here. And, you know, working with Steve, I worked with him originally with the Houston Rockets uh, like 20 years ago, and he was an assistant on the Jeff Van Gundy staff. And Jeff kept me with uh, Tom Thibodeau and Patrick Ewing that's here with us, and Steve was the third. And now 20 years later, I get to work with Steve as a head coach, and we have a relationship from that year. And, um, you know, you just try now to learn him as a head coach and Try to assist him with everything you possibly can help with. One thing that all of those head coaches have in common that you've worked under, Greg Popovich, Quinn Snyder, Rudy Tomjanovich, Jeff Van Gundy, all very long-tenured coaches. And, and I, my personal belief is that championships are more one based off of talent. I mean, like the talented teams are going to get there. It's not necessarily an indicator of outstanding coaching, although it has to be there for everything to work. But some of the best coaches out there don't necessarily always get the talent on the floor that allows them to compete for a title. But if you've been in the league for 10 years, it clearly means you're great at what you do. And Steve Clifford and several of the other coaches you've been under fall under that. What is it about those types of coaches, Coach Clifford, that regardless of whether their talent stacks up with the other side on any given night, regardless of the situation, they're able to put their team in the best possible position to win, and that's recognized throughout the NBA. Yeah, I think organization, details, and discipline. And I think that you know that each each of those head coaches has a different way and a different style. They've all you know at some point began as a first year head coach and then been able to implement a foundation that they could build a team on. You want to build a sustainable system. You're not just trying to win for today, but you're trying to build a system that can win long term. And those situations, the culture. We just played the Miami Heat, so I'll use the word culture. Um, because Eric Spolster and Pat Riley have been able to do that, right? But uh, what we did in Houston and try to lay that foundation, what Coach Popovich has done in San Antonio, you know, what we tried to do in Utah for the uh, eight years that we were there is to build that that system that's not only going to win today, but the ability to win today and to win tomorrow and then long-term. And that's what we're trying to establish here with Coach Clifford. He's been around some of the best coaches in the league. And Jeff Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, you know, you can go down the line. And those guys are foundational pillars. And I always think that uh, the hallmark of all those teams, and that's the Steve Clifford the first time he was here in Orlando, the Stan Van Gundy's, Jeff's time in New York and Houston, is they were organized, they were detailed, and they were disciplined. The players knew what to expect. I think as an opponent playing against those guys a long time, you knew that they were going to bring a certain level of competitiveness and organization and detail every night. And that's what you're trying to establish, you know, here in, in, in what Steve's trying to establish in his second year with, a, you know, overall a younger group. And you're trying to build foundational habits that can apply today and that we can build on for the future.
As you mentioned earlier, it's a young group, but the talent level seems to be there. Unfortunately, injuries and absences have gotten in the way of the team really identifying just how good it could be. But you said it was one thing that attracted you here. So you've been all over the league. You've coached Hall of Famers, All-Stars. Uh, one of your former All-Stars, Gordon Hayward, back here again yeah. with you. So that, that's got to be a cool phenomenon, too. But in terms of the level of talent, you've seen these guys individually. We're waiting to see if we can get a long run of them playing collectively how good do you think this group can be? Well, I, I honestly think that there is a nucleus of young players that can be really good, right? And the injuries right now, everybody feels how tough that is, and it makes things harder today. But in the long term, it's a really, really good thing for the group because you're getting to see guys in roles and having expanded opportunities. And, yeah, it's hard today at sometimes. Hey, we're playing the Miami Heat, and they're out there swarming around, right? But you know, as you move forward, we've got a bunch of guys that are in and out of the lineup. We have to mix and match sort of to figure out how to do certain things on the defensive end, how to do certain things on the offensive end. And then hopefully here at some point, you know, everybody's going to come back together. And as we come back together and we get helped and we move this group forward, now all of a sudden we have to readjust our roles. And, and you know, that that's the biggest thing in the NBA is guys understanding certain roles with who's in the locker room or who's in uniform that night. Everybody at this level has been the best player on their team at some level. It's almost, right, exclusive. That's how you end up getting here, right? And then all of a sudden, as you move into the season and you have, let's say, everybody's healthy, you have to figure out a role and you have to star in that role. And some guys are unbelievably good at figuring that out. And that's how their career is either longer or more successful. And guys, some guys just really struggle with figuring out, you know, hey, I'm on the floor with a couple other guys that can score the ball. And us being able to kind of manufacture that and figure out, hey, we know LaMelo Balls had an unbelievable run when he was just healthy, right? He had a nine-game stretch or so where he was 30-plus and he was unbelievable, right? He, he looked it looked as good as probably any point in his career in that little stretch. And then, unfortunately, he gets injured. And right when that happens, we get Terry Rozier back. And now Terry has slid into that role and has done a pretty amazing job of almost duplicating exactly what LaMelo did. Now, it's a little different as in do we play a little slower? Yeah, we probably do play a little bit slower. But are we playing sort of the exact same way and being effective? And then, you know, ultimately you want to see those guys for a stretch of time in the backcourt together where you have two ball handlers like that. You can play multiple pick and rolls. One guy can start the action and we get the ball moved to the second side. And now, hey, you know what? Now LaMelo's driving a closeout on the backside. Right. I mean, when LaMelo was rolling and he was playing well, some of his biggest shots in that stretch is when Gordon or somebody made a play over here and he was our best spot shooter on the backside. And when you have a couple of ball handlers like that, then you have the ability to get LaMelo off the ball or Gordon off the ball or Terry off the ball. And now they're attacking second side action, which is what you really want to do. Right. You know, the whole goal would be most NBA teams are great on the strong side and are not great in closeouts. And our ability as a young team to start an action on one side, get it to the second side, attack that second side, and then find shooters is how, you know, you want to play and how you want to attack situations and, you know, attack the shot clock and attack a defense, really. So I'm spiraling all over here, but as the young group and you have guys that can manufacture and do certain things. Hey, Miles Bridges is a really good driver. P.J. Washington is a really good spot shooter at times. 
Okay, so we've, we've got to find different situations where there's a two-man action and then there's a three-man action. You know, and ultimately you get five guys playing together to help us, you know, create the best advantage possible. And, you know, that's why this job excited me is because you do have a young core of guys plus Terry and Gordon, which maybe are a little bit older, you know, that can do so many different things and create situations offensively. And that was sort of the key for us in Houston, in, uh, I'm sorry, in Utah with, you know, the Donovan Mitchells and the Mike Connollys and Gordon when he was there. I mean, he was unbelievable our first three years, ending in an all-star run. And you find those role players like the Joe Ingles and the Royce O'Neills that help your group. You know, those guys were stars in their role-playing deal and that's and that's how this thing's got sort of working together you know we want to see frank get healthy and get back on the court you know you want to see if bryce mcgowan's can really function with a couple of those other guys on the floor and you know make some threes and really defend and run the court and do some of those different things so you know the group uh is exciting as we move forward i really really am excited about the group and um you know the next step would be to get them healthy and then to try to see um if we can put some things together on the court we feel that excitement. We share it and can't wait to see the whole plan come together, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Hopefully it's right around the corner. And if not, we'll just wait until it is ready. I mean, because <laughs> right. we don't have any option. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to seeing it come together and uh, appreciate you sharing some time and sharing your story. And thanks for joining us here, Coach, on the Hornets Hivecast. Okay, thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks to Hornets assistant coach Mike Wells for sitting down and sharing some time and his thoughts with us here on this edition of the HHC. Thanks as well to our producer extraordinaire Rob Longo for putting this podcast together. Most of all to all of you for tuning in today. Tomorrow we're back to another game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Hope you'll join us for that one. And a reminder, make sure you're checking out the archives of the HHC. We've got plenty more great one-on-one interviews and we now have many of them available for you on YouTube. You can watch our conversations recently with Hornets forward Gordon Hayward, as well as previous conversations with the new co-chairman of the Charlotte Hornets, Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, as well as Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak. All available for you now on the Hornets page on YouTube. That's going to do it for this edition of the HHC for everyone here. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.